Well, good morning, Forward Point. How's everybody doing today? Uh, if you've been a part of Forward Point for any length of time, then you know that the summer routine for my family is to watch America's Got Talent. We are big America's Got Talent fans, but we don't have the scheduling to be able to watch it as it comes out. So usually what happens is we watch the first couple episodes uh, right there at the beginning. But then, usually towards the end of the summer, we kind of binge watch them through, uh, you know, before we're getting ready for school. And to be honest with you, we still haven't seen the last one, the finale one, to find out who won. Uh, does anybody in here know who won? Anybody else watch America's Got Talent? Just me. Okay, a little culture uh, news here for you guys. Uh, get you out of your bubble a little bit, I guess. Uh, Dustin actually won. Dustin Travella, he's the magician. And uh, a cool thing about Dustin's story, you know, uh, is that he's not like uh, an amazing, like I've seen a lot of the things that he's done before. But the thing that's kind of set Dustin apart from the beginning is he always told some kind of story along with his magic. And all magicians kind of, you know, tell a story as part of their routine, but he would tell these stories that would kind of challenge people to, to be better or how they lived socially. And that brought him to a place where now he is one, America's got talent, uh, he has a strong faith. And I love some of the things that he talks about how in, in church, magic is kind of a bad word. I grew up as part of a, a family ministry team, and we would go out, and I would do some, you know, magic tricks. Only we didn't, we didn't call them magic because we would be in churches, and you can't have magic in churches. So we would call them illusions. I would do illusions, right? But sometimes we get so offended by the word magic or Halloween or, or all these things, when the reality is, when you think about where your life is today, there's a lot of magic. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit most definitely the Holy Spirit, but there's some things that we don't see that bring us to where we're at, right? Things that you can't, you can't touch, you can't feel, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit, right, this the thing that we can't see, we're brought to these different places where our lives are wow, just like Dustin did, and he uses his platform to talk about change. And we've been in the, this series called Exponential that we're wrapping up this morning, it, all about this idea that, you know, you can take an apple and you can count the amount of seeds that you have in an apple. But when those are planted, you can't count the amount of apples in a seed. When you give in this exponential life what God can do with a single seed, planted in faith, the things that God can do through that. But often what happens, we as human beings, is we tend to think really small, right? If you were here the first week, we tend to think addition. But God thinks multiplication. He thinks exponentially bigger than what we could ever think or imagine or dream up. But last week, we looked at this idea is that he often works through subtraction, right? We've all experienced through life the times we've gone through things where God's removed things from us. Just like in Gideon, where Gideon took this massive army and he took it to a place to be able to say, thousands of warriors, I'm going to shrink down to 300 and I'm going to subtract to this 300 number and use that because I don't want any chance of you being able to take credit for what I'm about to do. This has got to be so miraculous that there's no possible way any human being can take credit for it. So we're going to remove some things from your life. And I'm sure we've all experienced that in life, where God feels like he's removing things and maybe even cause us to question, is God even there? Is God real? Because we think he promises this exponential future, but he works through subtraction. 
I'm blessed by my girls. Last week, my oldest, Justice, came to me. She said, Dad, I want to show you some pictures that I've made for my teachers. She just decided she wanted to draw some pictures for her teachers. And I'm not sure why the hot sauce is in the picture. Uh, obviously, hot sauce makes everything better. So uh, hopefully that alone will, will cause you to, to dig in here to this picture. But this, la- this first picture on the left-hand side is this picture. Uh, it kind of reenacts the story of Pay It Forward. Has anybody ever seen the movie Pay It Forward? It's one of my, one of my favorite movies. And it, it, it's all about this uh, idea that this little boy comes up with where he says, you know what, if I do something great for three people, and then they do something great for three other people. Then all of a sudden we have this movement that just, and he just says, I, I didn't do the numbers, but it gets big really fast in this exponential field. Now, my daughter's never seen the movie, but I have this picture from the movie because I love it so much that she somehow took and stole, and I had wondered where it was. But she had it in her office, and through the course of this last week, she recognizes that, you know what, there's me, and if I help three people, and if they help three people, <coughs> then this kindness spreads with a single smile and it can get really big really fast. And this is part of the exponential future that we believe that God wants to do through us. But you see, we have a great responsibility. If you've ever seen Spider-Man, you know when Uncle Ben's talking to Peter Parker, he says, with, with great power comes great responsibility. But a lot of times we hear that, we kind of you know, check ourselves out and say, well, I don't have great power. I didn't go to Bible school. I'm not the guy up on the stage. I'm not the, the lead musician. All right, so I don't really have great power in the, the Christian world. So I'm not really responsible for a whole lot. But it's not great power that comes great responsibility, but it's great potential that comes great responsibility. And we all have great potential. But all too often, forward point is we don't live that way. And this is why, if you're taking notes, all too often we are consumed by the temporary rather than focused with the eternal. In fact, this is how Paul said to the Colossians, he said it this way, he said, since then you have been raised with Christ to do what? To to set your heart on what? On things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So he said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And all too often is we get pretty comfortable with our mindset here on earthly things. We look around us and then we see all the things that we need to do or our responsibilities, all the things that we can accomplish, and it's very easy to get our mindset on things below. But Paul says you have to set your mind on things above. You have to set your mind on the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, this idea of the kingdom of heaven is is something that Jesus talked about himself. In Matthew chapter 25, he tells a series of stories, and he starts off in verse 1. He says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like. So Jesus is very intentional to want to be able to explain to us what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. Because it's important that we don't just wait for the kingdom of heaven, but that we bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It's our responsibility, to, uh, our potential to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So one of the stories that he says starts this way. It says, for it will be like a man, speaking of the kingdom of heaven, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. 
There's a good chance if you've ever grew up in church, you probably heard this story in Sunday school. And sometimes we can get kind of thrown off by what is this word, talent? And in the Greek, this word gets translated, the, the, the same word that we currently have for talent, were your gifts, your abilities, the things that you can do. But also when this was written, the, the form of currency in Egypt was talents. So we have kind of this play on words where we're talking about, is it money? Is it talents? Is it resources? Is it your abilities? And the answer is, is yes, it's, it's all of those things. But he says, very importantly, he says, to each according to his ability. It's not about you have to do what Jimmy does up on stage, or you have to be able to do what Patrick does up on the guitar, or what Andy does like Animal from the Muppets on the, on the drums. Right? But according to the plans and purposes that God created you, he's given you a certain amount of talents. And to one person, he gave five talents. To another person, he gave two talents. To another person, he gave one. In some seasons of your life, you're going to be where you have five talents. Maybe you're young and single, and you can travel the world, and you just have resources. You don't have responsibilities, so you, you might have the potential for more talents. You might be about to turn 40 and have four little girls, and all of a sudden, you don't have as much space for the talents you did before. And that's okay, because it's not about having to, to look like someone else, but it's about being faithful to the talents that God has given you, each according to his ability. And now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Right? He's about to, to, to give an account of what happened. And what we see, continue on in the next verse. He also who had received, oh, skip the verse, sorry. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. This is what you gave me, the plans and purposes. You made me on purpose for a purpose. So here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little, so I will set you over much. Enter into, and get this, this is the joy of the master. Right? The, the master gets such joy, our father gets such joy when he sees us using the talents and the gifts that he's given us to give. And then the man that he gave two talents to comes in, and the same thing happens. He says, you know what, master, I took the two talents that you gave me, and I went out and I doubled it and got two more talents. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. But then the last guy comes and the one given one talent. And listen to the, to the reaction here as we find out the story. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I, I knew you to, to be a hard man and, and, and reaping where you did not sow and, and gathering where you scattered no seed. Basically, he's saying, I know that you, you know, take advantage of every single op opportunity and, and you are a hard worker. And, and I knew all these things about you, so I was afraid. I was afraid that maybe I couldn't live up to your expectations, to, to your standards. I couldn't do it like you. I was afraid, so I went and I hid your talent in the ground. So here, you, you have what is yours, right? Like, like that was ever in question. Like this is the master's talent, and he's thinking he's performing some great act of kindness by giving him that one talent back. Here, 
have, have what's yours. And the master responds this way, and, and, and you need to take this to heart. This is, this is Jesus telling the story. He says, you wicked and slothful servant. Like, you can look through all of the Gospels, and you will not see too many times where Jesus uses, you know, such harsh language. And he says, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that, that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I scatter no seed, right? He says, you know that I'm a hard worker, and that I take advantage of every opportunity, and, and, I, and I'm not going to be found with my hands in my pockets. So then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. He's saying, you know, these guys, they raised the bar. They doubled what I gave them. At the very least, what you should have done is you should have taken that talent. You should have at least invested it in the bank, right? Because at least if you invested in the bank, there would have been some interest and you would have accrued that and I would have had something for my return. At the very least, the bare minimum, you couldn't even do because you were scared because whatever your reasoning was, there is this potential that we are responsible for, the, the potential to, to double, but at the very least to, to, to earn some, some interest. And what Jesus says here is, you know, I'm giving you some, some insight into what really matters in the kingdom of heaven. Not just the kingdom of heaven that someday we're, we're going to get to, but the kingdom of heaven that I've called you to bring down here to earth. Because as Christians, you know, all too often, like David Crowder says, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. It's not just about some point afterwards, but now is the opportunity, the potential to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So how, how silly would it be to, to someday get to that point where we're standing before God with the, the talents that he gave us and, and just try to plead ignorance? Like, I didn't know what you were expecting from me. I didn't know, and what Jesus wants to make very clear is that there will be an account, that there is a responsibility that we have with the potential that he's given us. So we can't plead ignorance. So if you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to write these down. How do we keep a kingdom of heaven mindset here on earth? And the first thing is that we just recognize that God owns everything. Look what it says in verse 14. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to what? To his property. Like everything that we have, the, the, the finances, the resources, our skills and our abilities, all of it originated from the creator. It's his property. And all too often, we as, as human beings in our culture, it's all about showing the world, look what I've done. Right, look what I've been able to accomplish by my years of schooling, by the, the network of friends that I've accumulated. Look at all the things that I've done. And there's this mindset that we need to, to shift from just thinking of, of being an owner of things to being a steward of things. Because we're called, as a steward, we're going to use but recognize that God, it's all God's. And that we're called to give it back to him. Sometimes in a direct manner and sometimes indirectly. All throughout scripture, you see way back at the beginning with, with Cain and Abel, you have these two brothers and they bring their offering to God and God chose Abel's over Cain's. Why? Because Abel had given his best, his first, where Cain didn't. And we get this picture that God calls us to give directly back to God our very best. And as 
the story unfolds. We see in the Old Testament that God institutes this policy called the tithe, right? It's that fearful word that we never talk about in church or, or you always talk about in church, right? And all too often you don't like that church if they're always talking about the tithe. We don't talk about the, the tithe for a couple of reasons. One is that we believe that God is in control and it's not our job to tell you how to, uh, the, the specifics and how you're called to live. But it's also because the tithe is an Old Testament principle that Jesus comes in the New Testament and kind of blows up the mindset about. Because it's no longer about just the minimum, bare minimum of giving 10% of what you have back to God. The call now in the New Testament is that we're called to be extravagant givers. Like there's no number that you put on it. It's, it's, it's that you just live in this mindset of giving whatever you, we, you have back to God and let God choose. And some of the most content and the happiest people on the planet are those who find themselves being able to live on the, a small amount of their income and giving away the rest. Because all too often what happens, the more that we own, usually the more it owns us. And we see this principle that God initiates and then he just blows up to say, there's not a number that you can put in the joy box or you can text in that's going to make you right with God because it's not about being right with God. It's about recognizing that God owns everything and we're called to give back to him in the same manner that we've been forgiven, in the same manner that he walks with us through life. We're called now to, to give back to him. When I first had my first full-time position of ministry down in Florida, I went down and, and uh, the church made it a requirement that you had to become a member, right? There's like a process you went through, and, and we don't really have a membership process here at Ford Point. But part of that is you signed up on the, the line, and there's an expectation is that you're going to give 10% of your income, right? So I signed because I'm on staff here. I got to do it. Yeah, but it was all a couple months later, they called me into the office and said, Jimmy, we've been looking through the books here, and we see that you have not been tithing. As if somehow they can tell how I'm giving and, and you know, whatnot. So they said, you know what, Jimmy, we're going to do is we're going to make it easy on you. Is we're just going to directly remove it from your paycheck. So this way you don't have to worry about it, right? What did, what did that tell me? as a staff member, as, as a follower of Christ, right, that, that the, the requirements for following Jesus is just reaching this number, that as a, as a staff, all they care about is that being able to, to have their money without any kind of recognition of how I'm living outside, the way that I'm giving my money, who I'm giving my money to. Right, and this is the mindset that we can get caught up in in, in, in Christianity where we have to give our 10%. And it's a struggle, this battle, where God has wanted to blow that up to call us to a life of generosity. And out of that, we see this exponential living. So my family, we've adopted where we just love hosting people. So our life group always has food. And we don't ask people to pay for it. We just generously love to feed people. And we do that out of the kindness of our own heart, not as any kind of cross that we bear, but it's a joy for us to be able to bring people together in community to talk and to, to catch up. And we love being able to do that. There's all sorts of different things that you're going to see different people around here. We had the Camerons. The Camerons years ago decided, you know, we would love to see a church that could stream. And long before there was a pandemic and it was cool to stream, they're like, Jimmy, wouldn't it be cool if we could stream the services? And we were streaming before streaming was cool. And now that streaming is cool, like people ask us for how we do our streaming stuff. Because everybody's doing it. But the Camerons, they just 
bought it themselves. And they brought it, they set it up, they sacrificed every week. They're here. They're not even allowed to go on vacation because there's no one who can take their place. So we make sure with guards stationed at their house. But they just give freely because it's not about a bare minimum, meeting a bare minimum. It's about freely they've received, so freely they give. We need to recognize that God owns everything. We need to remember that at some point you will give an account. At some point in your life, you will give an account. Verse 19 says this, right? The master, after a long time, came and he settled accounts with those he entrusted these talents with. Now, before we dive too deep into this, it's important to recognize this has nothing to do with your salvation. This is not tied to whether or not you're going to heaven. It's not tied to, like, oh, Jimmy's preaching. You got to do good works in order to have a relationship with God. That's, that's not what we're saying here. Because salvation is a free gift. There is no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus, okay? But we can't separate from the fact that God has entrusted us with talents, with gifts and abilities, that we are going to be responsible for how did we use them. You will give an account. Jesus gives us the picture here. And in fact, Paul quotes Isaiah when he says this. He says, we all, okay, that this it's not just some of us, not just the paid staff, we all will stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us, each of us will give a personal account to God. There's going to be a moment when we stand before God and, and we read that, right? And we think the judgment scene of God. This judgment seat comes from this Greek word, bema. And it's the idea, if you think about the old ancient uh, Athens games, where we get our modern day Olympics, right? They would do their events and they would get to the bema seat. And at that spot, they would get, you know, the, the, the crown of wreath over their head, as a result of what they were able to accomplish in their race. But we read that, the judgment seat, and this is, this is usually what we think of when we think about the judgment scene. We think about a, a, a grumpy old man up in the sky who's just waiting for us to screw up, is just waiting for an opportunity to bring the pain on us. When in reality, the Bama seat, the judgment seat that he's talking about is probably more like this. That moment that someone stands up on the Bayman seat and, and for the pride of their country, for the pride of all the work that they've done, they use their talents and their abilities. God there cheering them on, saying, you can do this. I, I believe in you. I created you to be able to do this. And this is the Bayman seat of God. And again, Paul references this idea. He says, you've you've." all been to the stadium or you've all seen it on tv with the olympics and and you've seen the athletes race right and he says everyone runs i mean that's why you got there everyone's going to run but he says one wins so he tells us run to win because all good athletes train hard and and they do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades but he says you forward point are after or after something that's gold eternally like when you use your talents and, and your abilities, you're, you're running for something that's bigger than yourself. 
for something that is going to exponentially grow and, and going to get bigger and, and probably have ripples into a future that you're not even going to see. But if you use your talents and your abilities to run faithfully, then you're going to get a prize. There's going to be a moment where we're going to stand together and it's, and I'm going to say, how well done. Good and faithful servant, well done. Enter into the joy. How we, together, so happy we get to do this. We did this together. Enter into the joy. The last thing that I see when we look at this story of keeping a kingdom of heaven mindset is this idea is that we need to represent as kingdom investors rather than earthly spenders. You see, spending has this mentality, like I give you something for something in return, this very immediate gratification, this immediate trade. But investing, investing is this idea that I'm, I'm giving with the expectation that there's going to be some kind of exponential return later on down the road. You see, all of us, we, we spend on things, right, that you're never going to get back. How many of us have, have spent time binge-watching Squid Games over the past series? Anybody? Any other show on Netflix? You spent time binge-watching, time that you're never going to get back. That's spending time, and it's something that we all do. It's not to say that that's bad or, or to wrong. But what if you took those moments of your life, where you were just spending on immediate return and you chose to instead, I'm going to invest it in, in someone that I met at the palace. A new neighbor that has moved into the neighborhood or that I saw walking down the street and I'm going to strike up a conversation. What if all of us took those moments that we just spend on the immediate, in the moment, and choose to become kingdom investors? And when you make this, this shift in your mind and it, it begins to change you and, and all of a sudden there's this exponential growth that the, the kingdom of heaven is, is having. When you look at the life of, of Dustin, on probably the world's biggest stage of America's Got Talent. And as I was looking at his life and he's the kind of guy that I was you know, watching his videos and you almost love to hate because he's just super talented at, at all sorts of different things. He had a music career and he made music videos but I want you to hear from him kind of the heart behind why he does what he does. My name is Dustin Tavella and I am a musician. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved music and I've loved magic. And so I started writing my own music and creating my own magic tricks. I've also always loved helping people. And so after high school, I spent six years as a missionary full time, just working with kids in orphanages, speaking at prisons, helping with people addicted to drugs or living on the streets. It was absolutely incredible. During that time, I realized how music and magic are two things that break through language barriers and cultural differences and social status. I've literally seen the most simple magic trick bring smiles to the most helpless situations. And in a culture that is so full of division, I think that it's important that we find more things that bring us together rather than pull us apart. I had all kinds of people encouraging me to take this to the next level. And so I decided to move to Los Angeles and try making it as an artist. Since that decision, I've had some pretty amazing opportunities, but I never really got that big break I've always dreamed of. 
I found it very difficult to pursue helping people and to be present with those around me when my whole world revolved around promoting myself and trying to be famous. At the peak of my career, when I should have been a little more focused on making it or maintaining what I had built, I found myself hanging out at Skid Row instead. Skid Row is an area in Los Angeles where there are 54 blocks of people experiencing homelessness, and all my time was either spent there with them or piling as many of these guys as I could into my one-bedroom apartment and having movie nights and game nights. I'd let them take showers, I'd cut their hair. These guys became family. There was one guy, Michael, who went by the name Candyman, and we helped Candyman get sober, and he was doing amazing for a while, but drugs were always just a struggle for him, and one night he just caved and got high, and then he was just gone. He was found bloody the next morning in a gutter, and that was the last we heard. The, the thing that gives me peace is that for Candyman, after 30 years of being homeless and feeling lonely and overlooked by the rest of the world, the end of his life was filled with purpose and laughs and love and friends. And so now I press in with purpose, not just for Candyman, but for every person who's sitting alone on a street corner without a friend. I've never had much, but you don't need money to make a positive impact on someone's life. You don't need fame, you just need to be present and to do what you can with what you got. So this is my attempt at encouraging people to step outside of their own world and into someone else's. My attempt at putting my music and my magic together to create an experience that bridges gaps and connects people. Four point, I gotta, I gotta ask you, when you look at your life, does it look more like one that is being spent or does it look like one that's being invested? Right, can we, can we make this shift collectively to say we're going to start investing our life? I've had the honor and the privilege to, to go to some foreign countries and, and do mission trips and I remember one to Mexico. Right, and I went to, to Mexico, and perhaps you, you saw me online asking for pesos. And I remember having a, a, a discussion with my parents about wanting to, man, I want to have pesos. You give them a dollar, and they give you like 300 pesos or 700 pesos. Like, who, what kid doesn't want to have 700 of anything, right? That's money. And my parents kind of try to talk me out of it and say, son, you don't, you don't realize the, the, the exchange rate, and, you know, that's really not a lot. And when you come back to America, like, you can't use it. Everybody takes a dollar wherever you go. And sure enough, and had them change my money into all these pesos, and I get back to the United States, and I found myself having all this foreign currency, these pesos, and not being able to do anything with it. And the reality is, is all of us, we're, we're someplace that's not our home. And we've been given some talents, some resources. And we strive and we work hard to say, well, can I just exchange it for, for what's going to give me pleasure? What's going to work right here in the moment? And we don't see that this is not our home. This is not us, and I, I'm so grateful for, for the people who've chosen to say, you know, we're, uh, we're going to choose to invest. And it's not about spending. Last week we said, you know, we're looking for 300, just like Gideon, 300 people who, who are going to say today that I'm, I'm willing to go through the process to let God 
multiply through me by whatever subtraction process he needs to do. And this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call and ask for people who are going to be willing to, to change their mindset to this morning to say, I'm going to be a kingdom investor. I'm going to be people like Mama Skinner, who even if she's not here, she makes sure that her bread is here for people who are new to Forward Point. And, and what started off is just kind of a, a, a loaf of bread wrapped real nicely. She, she reached out to Katrina and said, I want a sticker for my bread because this is food made by the food angel. She calls herself the food angel. And if you've ever had her food, she is a food angel. But she's just using her resources. And she's choosing not to spend them on immediate things, but to have a kingdom mindset, to be a kingdom investor. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we are so grateful that you took the time to invest in us. You put into this plan thousands of years ago with creation and then through Jesus by allowing us to be back into relationship with him. And this morning, there may be people, you may be here this morning, you don't even know why you're here. Maybe it was a last minute invite or maybe you were walking down the street and you're here in this moment for the first time or just recently and in your spirit you're feeling like there's something different about the kind of relationship that we're talking about this relationship that you can have with God some might even call it magical and you want to be part of this redeeming of of God's creation where there's nothing that is not sacred all of it can be redeemed and used for God. And this morning, God is calling you first to say, I want to redeem you in our relationship. And this morning, he wants to take maybe a relationship that you've had that's been very religious and just going through motions and, and, and doing the 10%, just doing the, the, the bare minimum. And this morning, he wants to take you to a, a, a life of generosity in your relationship with him. And in this morning, all it takes is just a response to him and that Holy Spirit working inside of you to say, God, I come to you this morning and I want to turn away from the old religion that I've always expected or believed and, and thought it was and I want to turn towards your higher way that you're calling to me. The higher way of not, not just meeting the bare minimum but to this life of exponential in my personal life, in my work life, in my church life, in all these areas. And this morning is a day of uh, a new beginnings for you are now on, on a trajectory to stand at that Bama seat and, and that the life that God's going to be cheering you on, saying you're going to do it, you're going to be up there, and, and you're going to have your prize that God's going to give you, and you're going to enter into the joy, a joy. And lastly, this morning, forward point, as we just respond to him through music, I'm going to ask you if you'd be willing unsure maybe what it looks like, but you say, I want to change my mindset from just being an earthly spender, but to a kingdom investor. There may be specific things you have in mind when, when you think of that. We're going to have people up at the front here to pray. What I'm going to ask is that you would very intentionally this morning choose to respond to that calling. If you say, yes, Jimmy, that's, that's me. I want to respond to make that shift to become a, a kingdom investor. 
And allow God to, to speak to you how that's going to look because uh, it's not, don't let anybody get up on a stage and tell you this is what you need to do in order for that to happen. Because God has called you, created you for a specific plan and for a purpose on purpose to be a kingdom investor with your five or with your uh, 10, your two, your, your talents to your, according to your ability. But this morning, he just wants to break the chains of religion in our lives to say we're just going to be kingdom investors at every point in our life. So if you would, as we continue and respond this morning, if you would, at some point when you say, I want to make that choice, that you would stand to your feet. And maybe through something that's going on in your life, you need prayer, we're going to have people available to pray for you. But don't leave this morning without responding to what God is wanting to do in your life.